Welcome to Divorce Etc. hosted by us, the ex-experts. We're here to give you all kinds of information and tips on everything divorce. Plus, we're asking a lot of the questions that you may not even think of or know to ask, but we know because we've lived it, so we get it. We're Jessica and TH. Welcome everybody to the Divorce Etc. podcast. Today we have Michelle Spence with us. She is a partner and CPA at Markham LLP. And the reason we brought her on is because it's tax time and it's really kind of always tax time or something you should be mindful of. And we really wanted to put together information for you all that are tax tips for the newly single. So Michelle is going to um, answer a bunch of questions that we have for her today. And let's just get into it because taxes are very overwhelming, scary, and uh, Michelle is none of those things. So <laughs> welcome to our show, Michelle. Thanks, Thanks for, being for having here, me. Michelle. Thank you. Uh, I just want to first start, um, I, I know we have th these questions, but I mean, in general, I think there are a lot of people who first think to themselves, well, I'm going to try to either save money or whatever. I'm going to try to do my taxes myself. And supposedly there are lots of software programs out there and lots of things that allow people to do that. I mean, I understand you're a CPA, but I mean, can you just give us some realistic, like what would be some of the pros or cons versus working with a professional accountant that can actually do this work for you and you, and it will cost you versus trying to figure it out yourself. Sure. Uh, it's an excellent question, Jessica. And I, and I, I do get a lot of people calling to find out, you know, why is it better to use you versus trying to do it myself? So, you know, software like TurboTax is perfectly fine if you have a couple of W-2s and some itemized deductions, very simple, straightforward tax return, not a lot of complexity. Um, you want to use someone like me or a CPA because your situation is such that you may need um, estimated tax payments, you may have a small business, you may get K-1s, you may have brokerage statements that you don't know how to enter or handle. So it's just better sometimes to leave it to the experts. And yes, it does cost money, it costs more money, but in the long run, you'll save money. And that's really what it's all about. Um, so you want to find the good, a good fit for yourself, someone, you know, if it's someone local or someone um, that your family knows, but just don't go to any old person. I, I have too many, um, you know, terrible stories from people that, that go to the wrong person. Right. I also think that for anybody listening out there, I mean, yes, like Michelle said, it's going to cost you if you use an accountant. But the truth is, if you are getting divorced or are recently divorced, there are so many different things that you guys are going to need to figure out. Michelle will talk about some of it, like who's going to get your child tax deduction and who's going to get this and, you know, where everything goes. Like the truth is, this is the kind of thing that you don't want to mess up. You don't want to end up owing after the fact. So really make sure that if you are not in finance yourself, and this is not something that you do on a daily basis yourself, it really is worth the investment of finding someone who can help you work through it. So, um, all right, so let's just jump right in. I mean, I think that most people will, are immediately gonna first ask like, how much do I owe in federal and state taxes? Right, so it depends. <laughs> um, Always the answer. <laughs> and you know, it's not a bad thing to owe, by the way. But, but you want to be careful that you don't owe any penalties or interest if you do owe money. So federal taxes are you know, the biggest uh, generator of revenue for our government. So most people you know, pay into the federal tax system. And in addition to that, 
they may live in a state like I live in Connecticut, where we pay state income tax um, as much as almost 7% in Connecticut. New York's even worse. Um, don't, don't even go there. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, from the federal perspective, it is something that you know you have to be aware of if you're getting a divorce or you are divorced, um, because your spouse may have been the one paying the estimated tax payments or paying the income tax in through their withholding. And now all of a sudden, you don't have that payment going in. How do you make your taxes? How do and you pay just, it? And just so when you're talking about your spouse may have been paying it through their withholding. So does that mean like my spouse worked for this like law firm and, and his paychecks, the taxes were already being withdrawn and deducted. So we didn't even see any of that. But now all of a sudden, I'm going to be responsible for part of those taxes that just automatically were taken out of their paycheck. Exactly. Okay. That's exactly right. Okay. So, so as you're in the process of, of the divorce process, you want to make sure that you know what's going to be in your bucket at the end of the day. So for example, if you don't work, if you're the spouse that didn't work, now you've got probably some investment income because typically that's, you know, things are split that way. You'll get half of the mutual funds, he'll get half, and you'll have income generated from those. And you might have to pay tax on them. And you might have alimony, which we're going to talk about in a second. So if you have these items, you have to consider them when you pay taxes. And your way of paying is going to be through quarterly estimated tax payments because you don't have a job. If you did have a job, you could adjust your withholding to cover the investment income. Or if you're self-employed, it's estimated quarterly payments, I would, I think as well. Right. Yes, that's right. So, so yes, if you're self-employed, you're used to paying those estimates. So you would just continue beginning with the first quarter um, that, you know, the taxes due. So, so they typically do April, June, September, and January. So state taxes obviously vary depending on your state and federal taxes vary based on your income level. Correct. Can you, is it, oh, is it possible to do like what the brief federal income levels are in terms of what those percentages of taxes are? Yeah. I mean, without getting too technical, it, it all depends on your filing status. Um, so if you're filing single, which means you don't, you're not married, you're, you're as of the end of the year, you are not married. You can mm -hmm. file single. If you have a dependent child living with you in which you pay more than half the cost of the home, you can file head of household. Single versus head of household have different tax rates and different tax brackets. Okay. So single is typically the highest. Head of household is better. Married filing jointly is even better. But again, if you're divorced, you can't file jointly. All right. You can't file jointly if you're not married. Correct. But if okay. you are married, but getting divorced, but it hasn't been signed off yet, you could marry like you file you married file. but separate. You can file separately if you're not divorced, married filing separately. Right. But okay. that typically results in more taxes due. So what we tell people is this, when we're going through this calculation, we tell them, let us do the return based on joint and then let us split it and let's see what the tax differential is. And if it's substantial to the other spouse, 
we make them pay. <laughs> we make them give the other spouse some compensation for allowing the joint filing. Right, right. That makes sense. That makes perfect sense. Mm -hmm. So, okay. So really it's not, so I was thinking about maybe more like if you make less than a hundred thousand, you're paying 20% taxes. If you're making 500,000, you're paying 30% taxes. It's not, there isn't like a ballpark that you there could. Is. Okay. Yes. Yeah. So, so if you make over 520,000, you're in the 37% bracket, which is the highest tax bracket, just to give you an idea. Right. Most people are in, you know, between 200,000 and 400,000. They're in the 32% bracket. So between um, 200 and 400 is 32%. Yeah, roughly. Right. Okay. Roughly. Yeah. And then what, what if you're not making any money? So, so if you're not making any money, um, there are thresholds that require you to file a return if, if you have um, a certain investment income, you may still have to file, but you may not owe any tax. So, so there is a 0% tax rate. There is. Okay. Um, and some people that are very wealthy that only have dividend income or capital gain income may not have any tax due. Yeah, well, that's what you keep reading about in the papers, right? About all the loopholes right. with all of the 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 big uh, you know billionaires around. So under 200,000 is less than 32%, which- Yeah, probably 22% somewhere okay. But the median income right now is what? Um, 250. So median, okay. so the average person is paying the middle range, the 32. Yeah, the middle range. Okay. 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 So then the next question, how do I pay in my taxes? So if you're not working in a job uh, where you're getting a W-2 and they're withholding taxes, then you have to make those quarterly estimates we talked about. And usually the accountant will calculate those so that you avoid any underpayment penalties. The IRS wants their money evenly throughout the year. So these quarterly payments are due April, June, April 15th, June 15th, September 15th, and January 15th. And the states follow suit with that. Um, so you have to be careful of the state you're in and if there's income tax, like New Hampshire doesn't have an income tax, so you wouldn't have to make state estimates. I, I actually don't mind the estimate estimates because it keeps me on track and I'm not shelling out, you know, a big chunk of money at one time. I like having it spread out through the year. So just a tip to everyone that goes into your budget that we talk about all the time um, with financial literacy. Okay. I'm going to go a step further with that, with, with a tip. And again, it's all right. It's all psychological. I think how people manage and budget their own money and I, and everybody does things differently. But so what I started doing um, with my quarterly tax payments, even, even before that was um, I, my brother happens to be a wealth advisor. And so he helps manage um, my accounts. So I had him open up, this is really a good tip, I think, for people out there. I had him open up what I call to myself a tax escrow account. And every month when I get paid, I automatically put what would go towards my taxes into that account. So that money basically sits there. I mean, he it's short-term investments because obviously it needs to be paid out quarterly so that every quarter the money's already sitting in that account. Because I found Perfect. before I started doing that, 
it's like you're living your life and you're paying your bills and you're doing your things. And then every few months, it's like, oh my God, you owe whatever, you know, $20,000. And you're like, wait, right. hold on a minute. Where's that money coming from? That's a great tip. And I think exactly. it's like a panic button. So I really highly recommend setting up some kind of an account somewhere and just have the money in it. So you never have to worry about it when it comes time for paying. I, I highly recommend that to um, my newly divorced uh, women clients to do that. It's just putting it aside, like you said, out of sight, out of mind. They won't spend it, and we use a certain percentage every, you know, every court, every month to put aside, um, and that way they have it. I had a situation where a, you know, a new client had gotten divorced. Their attorney did not explain back then that alimony was taxable to her. She got over three hundred thousand, and she had nothing left for taxes when we filed in April. So she was already behind the oh boy. Such a scary place to be. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Really yeah. And and I and, and I'm I'm gonna even go one like again, just because I, I'm like that person. So I I I put the money away, but actually how I have them do it is I have them pull out every week or every other week, like a portion of it, so that by the end of the month the money's in there. So it's like I'm not like losing a huge chunk at once in case I actually have some kind of a credit card bill or like, you know, I have to pay my mortgage or whatever. So it like comes out of my account in small increments that are less noticeable and less painful. Right. It doesn't hurt as much. That's right. And I don't really notice it. And you know what, because it's like, it's like when someone gets it deducted out of their paycheck every week throughout Mm -hmm. the year, I try to set myself up. So it's kind of like that, but I'm really the one getting like pulling it out. Right. Good. Excellent tip. Excellent tip. Right. So let's get into alimony. Is alimony taxable income? You've already answered that, but let's talk a little bit more about it. And and the rules have changed, TH. So um, let me let me explain. Before January 1st, 2019, um, if your divorce agreement stated that the um, the spouse would pay alimony and it was defined properly as alimony, then the recipient claimed the income and the payor got a tax deduction for it, okay? But then January 1st, 2019, any divorce decree that was entered into after January 1st of 2019, no longer allowed a deduction for alimony, nor was it taxable income. Before that date, stands as is, still taxable, still deductible. But now any newer divorces, no deduction, no taxability. So it's great for the receiving spouse. That's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking Uh, that primarily it goes to women. So the women are psyched and the the men are like this, I'm getting screwed. Right. Right. I remember hearing this and I called my accountant who was my forensic during my divorce. I'm like, Mikey, this is great news. He's like, no, not for you. Yours was before. You were in 2012. Right. I'm yeah. sorry. <laughs> I know. But the but the thing is, um, it, it is great, it is great news to the recipient. Um, and and I've 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 seen it firsthand how beneficial it really is, but they typically get less money if that is the case. So keep that in mind. Sure. You're getting a little less, but you're not paying tax. Right. And right. So just to be clear, yeah. like I was still getting alimony up until 2021, but because my divorce was granted in 2012, it held true from then. It's like, 
right. right. It didn't back I was like, well, the, the laws have changed. Why doesn't it no. change then from 2019 through the rest of the time I get alimony? But it, it didn't. Maybe it will way, in the future, but it didn't yet. And, and just because I feel like words and definitions are constantly changing, we're, we're calling it alimony. I think everybody knows what alimony is, but I think that sometimes people that are going through the process now, it's being called uh, spousal support or spousal mm -hmm. maintenance. It's all the same definition of what it is that we're talking about. Right, but but back in the old days, the old days, pre-19, um, ha it had to be defined as alimony in order for the payments to be deductible and includable in income. So like, for example, one of the requirements was that it had to end upon the death of the recipient. And it had to be stated that way in the agreement. If it didn't okay. say that, it may be called alimony, but it wasn't taxable or deductible. Just okay. keep that in mind. And also um, alimony, be, again, before 2019, used to be sometimes bundled with child support and that's called unallocated um, alimony and child support. So typically child support is not taxable, but sometimes you would bundle it with the alimony to get a bigger payment. So. In most cases, child support's not taxable, but in some cases, when it's unallocated in your divorce decree, it could be taxable income. Okay, well, that was going to be the next question. Like, how does, you know, what's the difference between taxable, you know, allocated? Why would anybody bundle it then? Because they're they're looking for a bigger amount. Than but you might be paying a bigger amount in terms of taxes. taxes. Yeah. It must be the way you word it though, because I feel like I kind of bundled it because I waived alimony. And but you waived I, alimony, otherwise you would pay the income of alimony. You'd be paying taxes on that, which you didn't. Right, but I, it was going to be a small amount of what I was going to get for alimony. And so I was like, just put it in with the child support and I'll waive alimony and I'll take the full amount as child support. Okay. Right, which is fine. But as long as you didn't use the word alimony in right, there. Right. Yeah. Right, exactly. That was smart. Um, that so was yeah, smart. so that's the- you know, You've that's got tons of, of tips, Jess. Tons of tips. <laughs> but, it, but again, if your divorce was entered into after 1-1-2019, it will never be taxable income to oh, you. Oh, that's unless, fabulous. Unless they change the law, right. which they could, because sure. they do that. It seems like every few years now, they keep changing the rules. <laughs> so, okay. what? So when people talk about their filing status, what is that? What's my filing status? So again, it depends on um, whether you're married, unmarried, have a dependent child, don't have a dependent child. So it could either be single where you're unmarried and no dependent children. It could be head of household where you're, um, you could be married and file head of household if your spouse doesn't live in your, in your home for the last six months of the year while you're going through your divorce. But you have to maintain a home for a dependent child and pay more than half the cost of keeping up the home. That's where it gets technical. And that's where you need to seek the advice of a CPA to help you determine what your filing status is. And also you have to find out who can claim the kids. Now, the dependency exemption went away right. with the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act, but you still have to report on your tax return if you're if you're claiming a dependent because of other credits that may be available, right. like the child tax credit or the child care credit or the educational credits. So it is important to button that down in your divorce agreement as to 
who is claiming which kid and when because right. the custodial parent that is the person who has the the children the most gets a lot of those benefits and doesn't have to relinquish them to the other spouse unless they sign off on a certain form 8332 so again what if you do 50-50 custody literally 50-50 that's a great question um and we do have cases like that well it depends on if it's a leap year or not because if it's a leap year you know <laughs> oh my god 50 /50. so if, if it's 50 50 typically the person making the most money will be the one to be able to claim the kid unfortunately depends on who makes the most well the way that we did it is i have three kids and at the time i got divorced well the time i separated they were eight six and four so I took the two youngest kids mm -hmm. as, as mine. And he took my oldest child as his dependent because I benefit longer using the two younger kids using, mm -hmm. sorry, in the most loving way. <laughs> um, but that's what, that's how we ended up doing it. It was based on their age. Mm -hmm. And uh, I mean, three is not smart. an even number. So it's that a little was so football. smart, very smart to do. I feel so like that's I another go back and check my agreement and, and I, I, cause I think that we, I think that Michelle, to what you, to your point, like we, I think we actually worked out who gets to, to claim the kids. Mm -hmm. um, I think it was me. Yeah. That, and because you were the primary thing. home also. I was also the primary home. But we were 50-50. So my kids were more 50-50 than yours were. But I think that I, you know, uh, like, was like, I want to be named the custodian. But does it matter? Oh, yeah, I guess it, right. You can still name someone as the primary residence and not be 50-50. Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah. You know, it could be in the other favor. It depends what town you live in or whatever. Right. You have to be the primary based on their education and right. And the, other and the tax stuff. laws were different too when you got divorced, Jessica, because there were some some people that their incomes were so high that claiming the kid didn't matter. But right. now it, makes it does matter. You get right. so many benefits. There are yeah. benefits, and it doesn't matter what your income is. Sometimes it does, but it doesn't typically matter anymore. So that's why any new divorce agreements, you got to be really careful what you agree to with the children. Right. So, okay. So we talked about kids, but let's talk about filing status one more time. What if you're living with someone? So we can just use me. Mm -hmm. I'm divorced many years. I'm living with someone. We do have a cohabitation agreement that shows that we own our home 50, 50, mm -hmm. And then have I just complicated everything? Like, what's my filing status? Am I still? You're single. Single. Okay. Also, do you get like a mortgage deduction? Because who gets to claim? Only if I take out a mortgage. I haven't done that. So, so exactly. Yeah. So if you guys, if you weren't married and you had a mortgage together and you paid for that mortgage 50-50, you would be able to deduct half on your return and half on his return. However, <laughs> When the tax law changed in 2018 or 17 with the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act, they increased the standard deduction for single people and married people and head of household. So, and, and they reduced the state income tax and the real estate tax deduction. So a lot of people that thought they could itemize and deduct their mortgage interest and real estate taxes found out that they couldn't. 
So sometimes it's better if one of the um, people take the deduction for the mortgage interest and the real estate taxes so they can get over that hurdle of the standard deduction because it's the lesser of the two that you right. can take. Right. So that's another thing to keep in mind. You may be thinking you're getting this great deduction and you're not right. at all. Right. But that's not the reason you buy a house or a mortgage. No. For the tax deduction. Right. Right. And then our last question is, can I deduct the costs of getting divorced? No, not anymore. <laughs> no, no more. It, it, it and what's considered like, a cost of getting divorced? Like so your lawyer or is it lawyer? extra daycare or is it, you know, no, it's, what it's is it? The, the legal fees, it's the expert fees. Like if you hired Markham to value your husband's uh, medical practice, that's not deductible. If you hired me to do tax analysis, even tax prep fees for individuals are no longer deductible. Mm. So, so there's nothing you can do other than if you had to pay um, an attorney to transfer the title of your house, that cost could be added to your basis. But there's really, there's no, no tax deductions anymore for uh, getting divorced. Okay. So look, I mean, there are obviously a lot more questions that could be asked and, and a lot more details, but I really feel like this is a great basis yes. for anyone yes. who's starting the process or going through it to get some of the information that you need. If you have other questions, um, you can reach out to us or to Michelle, we'll have her information available um, on our site. And as TH said in the beginning, she's a partner at Markham LLP in New Haven, Connecticut. Um, so Michelle, thank you so much for your time. It is very complicated. Yes, please. One more thing. I just want to close with one thing, yes. Jessica. I appreciate your, you know, having me on today. I, I highly recommend that that you work with a team such as your CPA, your financial planner, and an attorney. You have to get your estate in order. You have to get wills in order. You have to, you know, get your taxes in order and your finances because you're going to have to live on a budget. And that's yeah. critical. So get your team in place of trusted people. Okay. That's my, yeah. that's my last tip. We're thank you so much, Michelle. That kind of Welcome. support around you. So yes, thank you. And um, feel free to reach out to us. If you have any other questions, we can keep the conversation going. So you know where to find us. We'll see you next time. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening to Divorce Etc. with the X-Experts. We really hope this episode was helpful for you in getting information you need and feeling empowered to get through it. And always remember there are so many of us just like you. Now please hit the subscribe button so you always get new episodes and please rate and review us. You can also check out our website filled with free resources at xexperts.com. Follow us on social on Instagram and Facebook and send us an email to let us know your thoughts or any questions or topics you'd like us to talk about. See you next time.